Hey, it's Jocelyn here. Welcome to the Positivity in Pregnancy and Motherhood podcast. I am your host, and I am looking forward into another motherhood episode today, where on Fridays I share and post (laughs) a motherhood-focused episode that can help us move forward in motherhood through mindset tips, tricks, and hacks. And right now I'm doing a little book summary or um, review on the five love languages. I read that book and it was very moving and I was going to do it in one podcast but there was so much to cover that I'm breaking it up into I'm thinking probably three weeks. Um, Last week was the first episode that kind of gives the basis of um, the in love phase and I did that episode last week and this week we're going to jump into the first two love languages. Words of affirmation and quality time. Thanks for joining. Hi, I'm Jocelyn, host of the Positive in Pregnancy and Motherhood podcast. I help pregnant women and mothers to find positivity in their season of life through changing their thoughts to work for them and not against them. I help mothers find the small, doable steps in thought and action without making drastic changes to their everyday mom life. And I can help you. Thanks for joining. In Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages, The Secret to Love That Lasts, he talks about five love languages and how in marriages, spouses tend to have different love languages. But if we learn to speak our spouse's love language and they learn to speak ours, it will keep our love tanks full. It will make our marriage better and deeper and we will feel more loved. So one of his purposes of the book is to kind of explain the five love languages and to help you figure out what yours and your spouse might be so that you can start working on them together and so that you can build intentionally a marriage that grows in even more love and to have that love that lasts. And I've been on a love kick and so this really just ah, has been so amazing to learn from and to apply into my own life and my own marriage. So the five love languages are words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. And as I go through these five love languages, I want you to try and pay attention to which one of them kind of resonates with you and also think about which one could possibly resonate with your spouse. Because this is a book summary, I can't go through the whole book, but I'm going to give you tidbits of quotes or a couple of stories from what I have read and also things I have learned in my marriage. So we are going to start with the first love language he lists, which is words of affirmation. Reading from the book, verbal compliments or words of appreciation are powerful communicators of love. They are best expressed in simple, straightforward statements of affirmation, such as, you look sharp in that suit. Do you ever look incredible in that dress? Wow. I really like how you're always on time to pick me up at work. Thanks for getting the babysitter lined up tonight. I want you to know I don't take that for granted. 
You can always make me laugh. What would happen to the emotional climate of a marriage if the husband and wife heard such words of affirmation regularly? Words are important, and I think there is more effect um, on words in our mental thoughts than we really realize because they help to shape us. And those words that we say or that are said to us can also help shape us as well if we, if we allow them. And hopefully we allow the positive to build us up and kind of release the negative. But sometimes if we are heard or if we hear a lot of negative things, we can tend to dwell on that and become negative. So in marriage, he says it's important to affirm. Do you like hearing nice things from your husband, like compliments? Do you, are you a word person? (laughs) As I go on, you'll probably understand a little more because with this section, I actually wanted to tell a story. This story also comes from his book. It says, several years ago, I was sitting in my office with my door open. A lady walking down the hall said, have you got a minute? Sure, come on in. She sat down and said, Dr. Chapman, I've got a problem. I can't get my husband to paint our bedroom. I have been after him for nine months. I've tried everything I know and I can't get him to paint it. My first thought was, Lady, you're in the wrong place. I'm not a paint contractor. But I said, tell me about it. She said, well, last Saturday was a good example. You remember how pretty it was? Do you know what my husband did all day long? He was cleaning out his computer files. So what did you do? I went in there and said, Dan, don't you un- I don't understand you. Today would have been the perfect day to paint the bedroom, and here you are working on your computer. So did he paint the bedroom? I inquired. No, it's still not painted. I don't know what to do. Let me ask you a question, I said. Are you opposed to computers? No, but I want the bedroom painted. Are you certain that your husband knows that you want the bedroom painted? I know he does, she said. I have been after him for nine months. Let me ask you one more question. Does your husband ever do anything good? Like what? Oh, like taking the garbage out or putting gas in the car, or paying the electric bill, or running to the store to get milk and toilet paper? Yes, she said, he does some of those things. Then I have two suggestions. One, don't ever mention painting the bedroom again. I repeated, don't ever mention it again. I don't see how this is gonna help, she said. Look, you just told me he knows that you want the bedroom painted. You don't have to tell him anymore, he already knows. The second suggestion I have is that the next time your husband does anything good, give him a verbal compliment. If he takes the garbage out, say, Dan, I want you to know I really appreciate you taking the garbage out. Don't say, about time you took the garbage out, the flies were going to carry it out for you. If you see him paying the electric bill, you put your hand on his shoulder and say, Dan, I really appreciate you paying the electric bill. I hear there are husbands who don't do that, and I want you to know how much I appreciate it. Or, I really appreciate you running to the store when I had to finish that project. Every time he does anything good, give him a verbal compliment. I don't see how that's going to get the bedroom painted, she stated. I said, you asked for my advice, you have it, it's free. 
She wasn't very happy with me when she left. Three weeks later, however, she came back to my office and said, It worked! She had learned that the verbal compliments are far greater motivators than nagging words. I am not suggesting verbal flattery in order to get your spouse to do something you want. The object of love is not getting something you want, but doing something for the well-being of the one you love. It is, in fact, however, that when we receive affirming words, we are far more likely to be motivated to reciprocate and to do something our spouse desires. Encouragement and nice things, positive things, really does motivate us to want to do more. When there's constant nagging, it kind of is like, stop it. (laughs) You're just getting annoying and frustrating. Words build and love is a choice and taking the time and the intentionality to choose the words that build and to choose that love is an act of intentionality, but it will bless your marriage. So he kind of goes on to talk a little bit about the like encouraging words and kind words. And throughout his book, he says, love is a choice. Love is a choice. And right here he says, love is kind. We need to use kind words when talking talking to our spouse and talking of our spouse, actually. That is a really good one as well, because if we're talking bad behind his back, that (laughs) is definitely not kind words. I also think it's important to note, and he does mention this in the book, the tone. Tone can actually, like, change the whole meaning of a sentence. Instead of, like, if you hear, like, I love you, or I love you. You know what I mean? (laughs) The tones can totally make a difference. And it is very important to recognize the tone we are using when we are talking with our spouse. Do we have a kind and loving tone? Or is it a frustrated and annoyed tone, like, I'm just doing this because I have to do this? That's not what we want. We want to use intentionality, to use kind words and those loving tones. There is actually a little bit on tone from the book that I do want to read. It says, the same sentence can have two different meanings depending on how you say it. The statement, I love you, when said with kindness and tenderness, can be a genuine expression of love. But what about, I love you? The question mark changes the whole meaning of those three words. Sometimes our words say one thing, but our tone of voice says another. We are sending double messages. Our spouse will usually interpret our message based on the tone of voice, not the words we use. And I found that very interesting and started trying to pick up a little bit on the tone that I use in my marriage. Sometimes I would say things that I wasn't really thinking or feeling. And my tone conveyed that and it wasn't genuine. And so I've had to either not say something sometime or think of a different way to say how I'm feeling without getting so tony, <laughs> if that makes sense. He gives such good stories and um, analogies in the book. Use humble and kind words to each other. Do you like humble and kind words spoke to yourself? Love requests, not demands. And that goes along with what we've said. Compliments are very important. And 
This is kind of words of affirmation in a nutshell. Words are important. Words are important. Words are important. He gives a funny statement at the end of this chapter that says, If an apple a day keeps the doctor away, maybe a compliment a day will keep the counselor away. <laughs> Try to think of nice things to say to your spouse and notice if you really thrive on good words that are said to you. Your love language may be words of affirmation. This podcast episode will probably be a little bit longer because I do want to get to quality time before ending this episode. Quality time is, this is what he says in the book, by quality time, I mean giving someone your undivided attention. I don't mean sitting on the couch watching television together. When you spend time together that way, Netflix or HBO has your attention not your spouse. What I mean is sitting on the couch with the TV off, looking at each other and talking, devices put away, giving each other your undivided attention. It means taking a walk, just the two of you, or going out to eat and looking at each other and talking. Time is a precious commodity. We all have multiple demands on our time. Yet each of us has the exact same hours in a day. We can make the most of those hours by committing some of them to our spouse. If your mate's primary love language is quality time, she simply wants you being with her, spending time, providing, provided it's the right kind of time. Have you ever noticed that in a restaurant you can almost always tell the difference between a dating couple and a married couple? Dating couples look at each other and talk. Married couples sit there and gaze around the restaurant. You'd think they went there to eat. <laughs> and I thought that was kind of funny. Um, kind of how things can tend to change a little bit as we get married and we forget to spend this quality time together. When we're dating and we're in that in love phase, it's like... We just want to sit there and get to know each other. And then when we're married, we forget to give each other some of that one-on-one -on -one undivided time. If you find that you guys struggle to find something to say, look up some questions and ask your spouse what they think about them or questions from their childhood or experiences they had this way. Like I actually, not too long ago, looked up questions like I could ask people and just store them on my phone so that you've got some questions if you have if you're not a natural conversation carrier you've got some things to go to go on and that time can be spent really getting to know each other and diving deep in that quality time of being in enwrapped in a conversation and that focused attention if your quality if your love language is quality time really can fill up a love tank and mean a lot. Quoting the book, quality time does not mean that we have to spend our together moments gazing into each other's eyes. It means that we are doing something together and that we are giving our full attention to the other person. It is being there and not being distracted. I think one of the big takeaways from this chapter is if you have a quality timer or you are a quality timer, you need that quality time without distraction. 
without cell phones, without TV, without things that just keep buzzing and making noises, emails, what have you, phone calls. You need to have some time where you can just really be present with each other. He goes on to talk about quality conversation, and I want to also read this part. It says, quality conversation is quite different from the first love language. Words of affirmation focus on what we are saying, whereas quality conversation focuses on what we are hearing. If I am sharing my love for you by means of quality time, and we are going to spend time in that conversation, it means I will focus on drawing you out, listening sympathetically to what you have to say. I will ask questions, not in a badgering manner, but with genuine desire to understand your thoughts, feelings, and desires. And so it's a little bit deeper because you've got to hear, not just give, but hear and meaningfully conversate back and forth. He gives five tips that I'm just going to go quickly over. He gives more explanation in the book, but he gives five tips for quality conversation. The first one is to maintain eye contact when your spouse is talking. The second one is don't listen to your spouse and do something else at the same time. Remember, quality time is given someone your undivided attention. The third was to listen to for feelings. Ask yourself, what emotion is my spouse experiencing? Number four is to observe body language. Clenched fist, trembling hands, tears, furrowed brows, and eye movements may give clues as to what the other is feeling. Number five is to refuse to interrupt. My goal is to discover your thoughts and feelings. My objective is not to defend myself or to set you straight. It is to understand you. So let's talk about some quality activities. It is giving your spouse your undivided attention. So they may include putting in a garden, visiting a historic site, birding, going to a concert, working out together, or having another couple over for homemade soup and bread. These activities are limited only by your interest and your willingness to try new experiences. The essential ingredients in quality activities are, first, at least one of you wants to do it, second, the other is willing to do it, and third, both of you know why you are doing it, to express love by being together. One of the byproducts of quality activities is they provide a memory, memory bank which to draw a memory bank from which to draw on years ahead. So quality time provides memories because you're making memories together. You're doing things together. You're building up this bank of memories that you'll be able to pull from. And I really, really thought that was powerful in this quality time aspect. Quality time can be a tough one because it takes time. As moms and wives and friends and women who have calling and other responsibilities, time is precious and it can be hard sometimes to give this the time it needs. (laughs) So I actually have a quote in the back of this chapter. It says, and where do we find time for such activities, especially if both of us have vocations outside the home? We make time, just as we make time for lunch and dinner. Why? 
because it is just as essential to our marriage as meals are to our health. Is it difficult? Does it take careful planning? Yes. Does it mean we have to give up some individual activities? Perhaps. Does it mean we do some things we don't particularly enjoy? Certainly. Is it worth it? Without a doubt. What's in it for me? The pleasure of living with a spouse who feels loved and knowing that I learn to speak his or her love language fluently. And that is powerful because love is a choice and love is what we desire as wives in these marriages. Deepen your love. Let's learn your love language. Today, I give you the first two from this book summary, and hopefully next week we will finish up with the last three. And I hope what you learn will inspire you to go read this book. There is so much you can glean and learn on how to get good at, first, figuring out your love languages, and second, how to, like, do it. (laughs) How to get good at it. It is important to keep each other's love tank full. It will make your marriage more full, more enjoyable, and more happy as I have seen in my marriage as I have learned to speak my own spouse's love language. Thank you for listening. Thank you for implementing. And thank you for sharing. Until next time. Thank you for being a part of the Positive in Pregnancy and Motherhood podcast. For listening. For sharing. And most of all, for applying these tools into your own life to improve your own happiness so that you can find your own better thoughts for a better you in a positive pregnancy, in losing that stubborn baby weight and becoming the mom you desire to be through taking small steps in thought and action to reach your goals. If you are a mother who has an inner desire to enjoy motherhood and pregnancy better, but you are having difficulty figuring it out, I can help you. I can help you find the small, doable steps without drastic changes to your everyday mom life. Reach out, let's connect, and let's see you move forward. My name is is Jocelyn, and I thank you for listening. Until next time.